0: Father, we do thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. Father, we pray as we go into this time of worship, the Father, and we open up your word, God, that we would just be encouraged. So, Father, we give this time to you. We thank you, God. May you bless it, Lord In Jesus. Name.
1: see on him.
0: displayed such great love that you would lay down your life for us in order for us to be reconciled to God to be at peace with God thank you Father All that you had to endure. Thank you, Lord, for your obedience and the great victory over sin and death through the power of your resurrection. We thank you, Father, that we no longer have to be bound, but that we can be a free people in Christ and in Christ alone, a people who have nailed their passions to the cross, who have died to the things of this world. who live in the light of eternity and the hope of such great salvation. We thank you that you've begun this good work within us. God, that you are faithful to complete it. We thank you, God, that it's not any of our doings But God, it's all through the Holy Spirit as we yield to His leading to mature us, to grow us. So I pray, God, that we would be a people who would be submitted unto you. A people, God, that desires to grow and to mature become more Christ-like, that we would be a people who will put our hands to the plow and that we would be a people that are fit for your kingdom. So I pray, God, that as we open your word today, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us, that we would receive your word, that we would obey as you lead. It would take root in our heart, and lasting fruit would come forth, so that others may come to know the hope that is in Christ and in Christ Jesus alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> I don't know about you, if you've had time to read through this this week. But there's a lot going on in this chapter. A lot going on. Jesus is on the way to the cross. And I found it interesting as I was studying this and just kind of walking through it this week. There's just a lot of people going through the motions going about their day-to-day lives, going about even walking with the Lord, His disciples and those who were following Him, even going through the motions, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, as they are plotting to kill Jesus. Everyone's going through the motion. Everyone is going about their day-to-day lives, but do they really understand What's happening? Do they really have a full understanding of who Jesus is and where he's being led to? And so as I was was reflecting on this generation at this time, I began to reflect on our generation. And how we too just kind of go through the motions we too just go about our day-to-day lives, some of us hanging around Jesus, some of us pressing in to Jesus, and some of us rebelling against Jesus. And yet, do we full, have a full understanding of God's plan in this day and this hour that's been given to us? We live in a generation where we're expecting His return. We were talking about this last week. We should be preparing for His return. To be united with our bridegroom. To, to be caught up with Him in an instant. There's work to be done. We've got to be mindful of the time that has been given to us, that we would be good stewards of what's been entrusted to us. We just don't want to go through the motions just to go through the motions and miss what God is doing. Read through this chapter, and I was blown away. There's so many people going through the motion, but one. This woman that we will read about, How she came and she anointed Jesus. She poured out unto Him such worship. And I don't even know if she understood the significance of what she was doing and the purpose of what needed to be done to Jesus to prepare Him for His death. Oh, that that we would truly seek Him in our days to understand the times in which we're living. That we would truly have a desire to say, God, not my will, but Your will. That God, that You would open our eyes to, 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 to every moment of every hour of every day. That God, that we would not miss what You're calling us to. That we would truly understand the significance of the day in preparing for your return. And that we wouldn't lose sight of, of, of giving the good news to others around us. That they too would come to trust in you. That they too would come to a place of hope in Christ and in Christ alone. I've been thinking about the cross and I've been reflecting on the cross and I'm like wow god and, and I'm reminded of the, the uh, of the phrase that I said to you all before that in order to go back to your old life you have to be able to look at the cross and say that wasn't enough in order to go back to your old ways in order to go back to 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 the old life to the rebellious ways to the way that you know you just totally just want everything for yourself and it's all about you in order to go back there as a Christian you have to walk back by the cross that once defined you what he accomplished through it you see when you accepted Jesus you accepted the fact that he died for you And you understood that in his death, he had to die because of your rebellious way. And in accepting his death, you had to accept his resurrection, that by him being resurrected from the dead, that he defeated sin and death. That these forces no longer have power or dominion over you, but that he does that you have been born again in the, in the knowledge of God. You have received the Holy Spirit. You are of a new nature now. You're of a new way of living now. And you are sealed until the day of redemption. That He has finished what He had came to do. And so in order to, to go back, in order to you know, get wrapped back up in your life, and in your desires, and in your wants, that you have to look at all of that and say, it wasn't enough. That I don't believe. I mean, wow. I want you to think about how we're living each and every single day. If we're calling ourselves Christians, Christians, if we're truly accepting the fullness of what He has done, then each and every single day we must reflect on who He is, what He has accomplished, and when the Word of God says He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Again, it's not about perfection, but it is about growing each and every single day, dying more and more to yourself. Not just going through the motions. Not just spending this precious time that has been given to you on you. On your will, on your ways, and on your wants. In order to be spent for Him. To be spent for Him. And I'm challenging myself with this. Like every day, like every hour, it should be spent for Him. I keep thinking about uh, the drum people behind me i keep thinking about standing in front of pulse and knowing the tragedy that took place there I, I i think about every time i hear the buddhists behind us chanting and carrying on all through the night i keep looking out at the world and and i'm seeing how everyone is living and doing what they believe defines them. It's what gets them up. It's what, it, will, it is what motivates them to go about their day. Something is motivating us. And if it's not Christ, then it's our desires. But oh, but as the church, we're not to be moved by our desires. We're to be submitted unto Christ. I mean, these people had no clue what was about to take place. Even his disciples. I was drawn to that. And in fact, I was broken how this chapter ends. And thank God there's always hope. Because if, it, if that was the end of the story, how this chapter ends, there's always hope. Because we know that Peter is restored. But even the disciples, even those guys who were there with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry, scattered. One of them ends up becoming the betrayer. All of this was purposed by God. And Jesus knew it all. They went their way, their, their, their hearts and their mindset to who he was was challenged in such a way when he was arrested that it seems like maybe the world came crashing down. Now what? We've put our hope in him. And it doesn't seem that we did the right thing. They left. I'm sure they were overwhelmed with questions and discouragement. I'm sure they were overwhelmed with fear of them being arrested. I'm sure they began to doubt, and everything, all the accusations, everything, began to tear within them to the very core of their belief in who they thought Jesus was. Thank God that the story doesn't end in chapter 14. We are aware that Jesus is resurrected. We are aware that they gather together. That the Holy Spirit is given. And these men are transformed. And they go forth preaching the good news. But before that, this is where we find them. Going through the motions. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was at Bethany At the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essentials of nard, essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive expensive perfume, they ask? It could have been sold for years' wages, and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to but you will not always have me. She, was done, she has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, whenever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Think about that. That legacy, she's left. Even up until our day and generations to continue to go, This woman and what she did will be discussed. And isn't it interesting? He lays it out again for them. She is preparing me for my burial. And yet, they have no clue on what he's saying. They're just going through the motions. But yet, God's plan is still in effect. God's plan, yet mankind, if they're in agreement with His plan or not, it is still taking place. Rather, the world accepts Him for who He is. He is still returning. Rather, they accepted Him here. It didn't matter, because He still was going to the cross. His purpose and His plan has been laid out since the earth was even formed. The cross. And Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. One of Jesus' disciples set out. For his own purpose. To betray Jesus. He went to the leading priest. And they were pleased to hear this. And now. Everything is taking shape. Everything is forming the way it should. Nothing is out of God's control. Even Judas. Judas was purposed to betray. He was purposed. Yet, though, he's going through the motions. His purpose is being fulfilled. There had to be one who would betray him. In his inner circle of, of of disciples, one of them. And we know it's Judas. would eventually betrayed him. And look what it says here. He was looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. He was waiting for that moment. And isn't it interesting that the moment was when Jesus went away to pray? It was in the moment that Jesus went to the garden to pray. It was that hour the enemy thought, we'll take him there. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into a city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? (coughs) He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal." So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve disciples. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Jesus knows what's ahead. He knows our hearts. He, he knows if we're truly submitted to him or not. Rather, we're hanging around the church. Rather, we're hanging around Jesus. Rather, we're calling ourselves a Christian. Jesus ultimately knows our heart if we're in rebellion towards Him, or if we truly love Him. You know, remember the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Love the Lord your God. And I've been challenging us for weeks now, do you love Him? Do you love Him? You will know by how you live. You will know by the desires that are within you. You will know if you're loving Him with your whole heart by looking at what you're placing your hand towards each and every single day. What you're placing your eyes towards. What you're you're allowing your thoughts to be on. Are you living a life that is surrendered to Him? Are you living a life that is pleasing to Him? Are you living a life that honors Him? And not a life that is grieving the Holy Spirit. Not a life that says, yes, Lord, one second and no the next. Not not with a divided heart and a mind. But a life that is truly understanding that, God, I will praise you. No matter what circumstances I'm enduring, no matter what I'm going through, God, I look to you. Jesus is sitting here at the table with his closest Friends, And he looks and he says, One of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one? Think about that. They were all distressed. And each of them asked, including Judas. He had to look, at Jesus, and asked, Am I the one? He already knows he is. He replied, It is one of you, it is one of you twelve, who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born Jesus's words as they were eating Jesus took some bread and blessed it then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying take it for this is my body and yet again we're seeing this this incredible understanding Jesus is laying out this is what's at hand Look what he said just a bit ago. For the Son of Man must die as Scriptures declare. He is speaking. He is giving them insight into what's taking place. And they're just going through the motions. They're not gaining understanding of what is happening. And as it is today in our time, Scriptures... Are being fulfilled. Prophecy is being fulfilled in our day, in our time, and will continue to be fulfilled in, in, in the day and the hour at the appointed time that they must be fulfilled. And are people just going through the motions? Are Christians, the disciples of this day, or are we just going through the motions that we're missing what God is doing? And see, we're without excuse. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the the knowledge and the understanding of what is taking place. And yet, are we getting it? He's reminding us day in and day out, day in and day out on how our lives ought to be lived, the times that we're living, how dark they are becoming, and how bright we should be becoming. He doesn't leave us ignorant. He gives us the wisdom that is needed. But are we seeking Him? We just don't want to be a people just going through the motions. We want to be a people that are seeking Him. God, speak. God, give us ears to hear. God, I don't want the world drowning out your voice. I don't want my desires to fuel a passion in me that's not what you desire. God, how is it that I am to be living today? That God, the hour is urgent. I be faithful. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink in drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they all sang sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Again, he's preparing them for what is ahead. But yet, Peter, going through the motions, said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, Oh, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared empathetically, even if I have to die with you. I will never deny you. And all of the others vowed the same. They got caught up in Peter's excitement. No, no, even if we must die with you, we will not desert you. And yet, as we're about to read, they all deserted him. Don't let your passion for God be based on you, you on your strength, on, on your desire. Don't let it be based on what you can do for God. No, recognize at any moment you will desert him if given the chance to yourself. Because yourself, that old nature, would rather submit to sin and to the rebellious nature than to God. Your passion for God must be totally conformed, inflamed by the Holy Spirit as you're dependent upon Him, day in and day out. That's how you're growing, to grow more dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You see areas of your life that are not honoring God, and those are the areas that you need to be praying and seeking direction and guidance from the Holy Spirit to equip you to live a life to honor God. God, if it wasn't for you, if it's not for the Holy Spirit, I will be deserting him. I would go my way. I know what the old man likes. I know where the old man will go. Oh, but Holy Spirit, reveal to me those areas of my heart that I need to give to you. (coughs) I just want to encourage us how are you communicating? How are you daily you know, submitting yourself to, to the Holy Spirit's leading? Jesus says, I have to go so that He will come. If Jesus saw the need for the Holy Spirit, don't you think we should see the need for Him? Daily. Is your Christian walk based on your good works? Is your Christian walk based on you conforming yourself? Trusting in yourself, oh, I just love him so much, I would never leave him. And yet, your bad attitude, and your gossiping, and your slander, and your lust, and every, everything else that's defining you, is what's controlling you, and somehow you think you're, you're pleasing to him. And yet, you've deserted him, even though you think you're among him because you're in church. No, we've we got to waken up to the fact that, no, our lives are to be marked by the Holy Spirit leading us and, and guiding us and teaching us and equipping us. Devout conviction to be what is drawing us even more into the fullness of Christ, of, of desiring more to be, to be like Him. Conviction shouldn't lead to condemnation and shame and guilt. No, conviction should lead us to repentance. Like, oh, God, thank you for revealing that to me. Because if that would remain, I would desert you. I will desert you. Thank you that you love me that much, God, that you won't allow me to remain the same. They all got excited. We're not going to leave you. We will die with you. And I think about our brothers and sisters um, who give their lives. I mean, they're, they're, they're martyred, they're persecuted. And even in the point of death, how humble they are. Even to the point of death, they're humbled unto the service of Christ. They fully understand the Scripture They've been matured to a point where they will allow themselves to not even say a word. All for the glory of God. You may take my life, but you cannot take my soul. You cannot take such great salvation from me. Take this life, but you can't have my soul. They're not boasting in what they're doing. Because they only boast in Christ. And that's why I'm like, wow, God, they inspire me. These men, these women, these children. Who inspire me to live daily. To grow daily. Like God, they're willing to, to, to risk it all for you. I said, wow, God. They're not boasting in their knowledge of God. No, they're living simple lives, humble lives. That's honoring God. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, Jesus' words, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here And look at this. Keep watch with me. Jesus. He knows what's ahead. He knows the hour has come. Everything, Jesus, is in place now. He's crushed with grief to the point of death. What a picture of our Savior. Such grief. Crushed with it to the point of death. And he looks at those that he brought with him. His closest ones. Keep watch. He went a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He just told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He goes and he cries out to God. And in crying out to God, he he submits again to the purpose of the cross, Not my will, but your will. He knows that the pain and the agony and everything, the torture that his body, his physical body is about to endure. And he comes back and finds those close to him asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me every one hour? Or even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Keep watch and pray. And I believe as it was spoken then and that hour, so it is spoken to us today that belong to Him. How should we be living in This present age by keeping watch and praying so that we will not give in to temptation. For the spirit within you is willing, but the body, the flesh, is weak. And if you're not maturing, if you're not putting into practice daily, if you're not living a life in in, in obedience and in discipline, you're going to fall asleep in the hour that's urgent. Come on, we got to wake up, you all. We've got to shake off what's been holding us down. we got to be able to see the very urgent hour that we're in, the time that we're in, the season that we're created for, because we were purposed for this generation. We shouldn't be asleep. We shouldn't be lulled to sleep. No, we should see the urgency of the hour. Keeping watch, looking at the signs and the times, praying and seeking God. Because if we're not doing it, we're going to fall into temptation. We're going to fall over everything that is set before us to trip us up. And then before we know it, we're going to question, how on earth did we get here? I once loved Him. Oh no, we need to awaken. We need to hear the words that were spoken. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing but the body is weak. Remember, he makes a way out of every temptation. And that way out is through seeking him. The Word of God says, you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. Not a divided heart, not a heart that is burdened and crushed with the weight and the cares of this world, but a heart that looks beyond that which is crushing, that which is burdening, and seeks this strive to look at Christ and say, above all, God, you are God and God alone. A, a, a heart that is able to encourage itself in the fullness of truth by knowing that God's will is being done. And in doing it and enduring it, His will, it is conforming us and transforming us to be more Christ-like in the hour and the day in which we're purpose.
1: Keep watch.
0: Remember. What's going on as Jesus is praying? Remember, Judas has been looking for the right time. He's alone now. He's in the garden. He's praying. There's only a few people with him. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Huh. Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. Oh, but no. The time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And look at verse 43. And immediately, as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. Look how they come for him. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, And he gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. And Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day, but these things are happening to fulfill what the Scriptures say about me. You're going through the motions. You're doing what you think you ought to be doing, but understand this, there's a greater purpose for what's taking place. Scripture is being fulfilled. Man, I was so blown away as I was was praying through this this week of just God's sovereignty, everything. There's nothing that takes place on this earth and in our lives that is beyond what God has allowed. Scripture is being fulfilled. God's purpose is, is, is in place. Jesus is returning, but until he does, we're to be about the Lord's business, about our Father's business. We're to be out there representing him. These men came with clubs and swords, and they they, they came with such, I'm sure, violent anger towards Jesus. And look what Jesus said this is how you're coming towards me? You had all these other opportunities. You've seen me teach, but I love the fact, again, he lays this out. but these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all of his disciples, remember the ones that were just screaming? Not us! We're not, we will die with you, Jesus! We will never desert you! They deserted him and ran away. One young man falling behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. They took Jesus to the high priest's home, where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire inside the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they put him to so they could put him to death but look what it says here but they couldn't find any here they were holding a trial that they had no right to hold they were even violating their own statutes on how they did trials And they were trying to find evidence against him, and they couldn't find any. So they provoked all these false witnesses to get up and start speaking against Jesus. And as I was sitting outside the other morning thinking about this, I thought it's no different than our day. So many false witnesses are getting up in this generation and the generations to come to testify against Jesus saying everything and anything about him to strip him of really who he is. I mean, look what it says here. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I would destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I would build another made without human hands. But even then, they didn't get their stories straight. And so it is today when you hear people testifying or trying to pervert God's truth and word, they trip up over themselves. That's why it's vital that you know the truth so that you're able to stand and not be swayed by all these teachings and all this false testimony given about Jesus in this day and the day to come. You have to be rooted in truth. You have to be rooted in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. And if it's not, you're going to be swept away. That's why it's vital that you understand of who you've given your life to if you're calling yourself a Christian. Jesus. Jesus. The very nature of who He is and what He has accomplished is going to be challenged even in your day, in our day, in the days to come. Everyone, everyone that is not of him is against him. And they're going to try to twist him up to be someone that he isn't. You've got to be careful, you all. And then it says, The high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, well, are you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? <coughs> I found that interesting too. All these other accusations are being thrown up to, about Jesus, and he says not a word. But talk to him about his identity. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus finally speaks. And look what he says. I am. I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated (laughs) in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need other witnesses? You all have heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists prophesied to us, they jeered, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. Jesus you are. Jesus, the Messiah. All of this is purposed. What he had to endure, I don't think we even can even barely comprehend. And he endured it for you. He took the spit, he took the slaps, he took the beating for you. For me. For mankind. So that mankind can be restored back to God. That mankind would not have to endure God's wrath. No, but in order for mankind to receive God's love. That's why he did this. And do we really, have you really just sat down and thought about that lately? Like all you've endured, you endured for me. Oh God. He lays it out clearly who he is. He lays it out clearly. And yet, instead of drawing closer to him, their plan to kill him, coming to pass meanwhile Peter was in the courtyard below one of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire she looked at him closely and said you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth but Peter denied it I don't know what you're talking about he said And he went out into the entryway, just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, This man is definitely one of them, but Peter denied it again. And a little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, You must be one of them because you are a Galilean. And Peter swore, Look at this, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Oh, Peter. Not I, God. No, Jesus. I'll die with you. I will never desert you. No, Peter. You're going to deny me three times. And look at this. It's actually towards the end, the third one, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about.
1: Think about that, you all.
0: That was his moment. But what about your moment? Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. And yet, how easy is it for you to deny Him when pressed? Just think about that for a moment. Not to bring condemnation, not to bring shame and all that weird things that we do, but just reality. Do we love Him? When we're pressed in, When we're challenged. When things are just weighing down on us and our faith just seems to be fleeting and our desire to know Jesus, to be with Jesus, what happens in those moments? Are we quick to say, I don't know Him. And maybe that won't be the words you may say out of your mouth But by your actions, that's what you're declaring. Because if you knew him, you probably wouldn't be doing, and I probably wouldn't be doing the things we're doing. If we're saying, you know, no, I know Jesus and yet we're running them up over here and over there and giving into this and giving into that or being pressured because everyone around us is just doing whatever they want to do and I don't want to be the lone Christian so I'm not going to speak up. No, what's going on? No, when you're being challenged, when things are pressing in on you, that's the time to know who he is and who you are in him. That's the time to be able to stand and say, no, God, I know you. And in knowing you, I trust you. And in trusting you, I know that you will see me through. I know whatever it may be, think of your own ways, in your own life. Are you quick to deny Him to satisfy whatever's pressing up against you? It's not how we ought to be living. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you would deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. I believe, I'm sure if it was the Passion of the Christ or where I saw it, but there was this scene of a movie I was watching about Jesus. And it was a scene where Jesus is being led out after enduring what he just endured and the high priest interaction and that trial. And as he's being led out, and as Peter is by the third time denying him, looks up and their eyes lock. And Jesus' words were brought back. I remember seeing that scene and just being like, wow. And he breaks down and he weeps Jesus' words His truth It's brought back up in us In those times that were pressed But how are we responding? Are we breaking down and weeping? Are we recognizing What we just did? Are we moved to a place of repentance? I mean, we know ultimately that Peter is restored. And it's a beautiful picture when I mean, he's restored there on that beach. And Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. know, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And the third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know, I love you. Then go. Go, feed my sheep. Beautiful. As it is with them, him, as it is with us today, even in our moments of failure, even in our moments of, of, of denying him, he looks and he says, do you love me? Oh, yes, Lord. Do you love me? Oh, yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then go be about my business. Go feed others go tell others the good news he's reminding us don't forget first who I am do you love me and then secondly our purpose in him then go then go go be about my business go feed my sheep Go, go, remain alert, keep watch, and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. If you're battling temptation, and temptation seems to be, you know, and again, whatever the temptation may be, doesn't always have to be the worst, what we classify as the worst sins, Apathy and complacency is just, as, as, is just as, as much of a sin as perversion. So whatever it may be that's trying to define you, you have to realize whatever that temptation is, if you're sensing a strong war waging against you on temptation, and that seems like the only thing that's plaguing your heart and your mind, then right away you ought to know that you're lacking in keeping watch and in praying. And isn't it interesting when you're going through that time, when we've all endured that time, what goes quickly from us? Keeping watch and praying. Oh, I just can't pray. Oh, I know I ought to be doing these things with God, but, oh, just, you know. And why is it? So it's not like, oh, God, you know, speak again. No, it's like, oh, God, you've already spoken. Keep watch. And pray, return back to your first love. Return back to to honoring Him. And then throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Know that He makes a way out of every temptation. You don't have to be bound by temptation. You don't have to be bound by by sin. And, And we understand that temptation is not sin, but temptation given into it leads to sin, which then leads to death. But even in your day-to-day life, temptation does not have to define you. It will come, but it doesn't have to define you. Don't look at what's crouching at your door trying to master you. No, stop looking at it. Start mastering it. Start recognizing that it's there, and the only way it's going to be mastered is not by your strength, not by your good works, but by depending upon Him. I pray that today we would walk away and that we would be purposed every single day to say, Holy Spirit, help me keep watch and to pray. Because if I'm not doing those two things, I'm going to be swept away. Help me to keep watch and to pray. And also know you all, no matter where you're at, no matter what, where you may find yourself in the weeks to come, Know that God is all about reconciling us. Drawing us back to Him. Keeping us in His presence. He's accomplished it, you all. He's already gone to the cross. The victory has already been declared. We have freedom in Christ. We have hope in Christ. We're to be about our Father's business. Going forth, you all... Telling others of the good news. Some will hear, some won't. Don't get discouraged. Don't grow weary. Because in the right moment and at the right time, we will reap a harvest. Amen? I'm going to close with this song, and then right after this song, we're going to have communion. But right after the song, we'll go into a time of just reflection. Before we take the elements, I'm going to pass them out. But I would just ask you just to be still and, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to each of us. Confess any known sin that's there in your life, you know, before we take the elements. And allow yourself just to be drawn into repentance. And then, and in a few minutes after that, I'll get up and we'll take the communion together.
1: Go!